Welcome to episode 2 of Robot Kraken. I'm Christopher McClanahan from Deeply Dapper, and I'm joined by Tom Chiaramonte from the Third Rail Design Lab. This is a continuation of our first episode where we discussed geek news and upcoming attractions, and now we dive into some discussion about Star Wars The Force Awakens. So what do you think? Do you think we should just dive right on in? Yeah, let's go ahead and dive in. Should we move on to reviews? Well, yeah, that's got your name on it. Yeah, the, the Kraken Review. Uh, typically, each month, I think we'll probably talk about a more focused energy on a film or a TV show or something that we've seen. Um, this time, I think we have no choice but to talk about The Force Awakens. That's right. Uh, but we'll talk about anything we want. I mean, we spent, what, 40 minutes on a Batman trailer? <laughs> Right. In one of the podcasts. So, <laughs> so Star Wars. Well, the Force so Awakens. The Star Wars. The you know, Star Wars. It's funny that we're we're talking about it in mid-January uh, when it came out before Christmas. Um, and at first I thought... I yeah, know almost I, exactly a month ago, actually. Yeah, it's the 18th I, today. I felt for a while like, oh, we, we missed the boat. Why, why, why didn't we strike while the iron was hot with this? Why didn't we put, uh, you know, holiday celebrations on hold? Right. Well, we, do long podcasts into the night. But, um, you know, actually, I was thinking about this yesterday. The fact that we've each seen it now more than once. Right. The initial sort of uh, publicity wave and just barrage of Star Wars saturated phenomena has gone by. Right. Maybe it gives us a sense, a little bit more uh, clarity, right? Mm-hmm. Like the hype, the hype has passed. Yes. Anyone listening to this already knows about the movie. They probably have seen it. Yes. According to the internet, everyone on the planet has seen it 2.3 times. Yeah, and apparently um, you don't have to worry about spoilers anymore because they started spoiling the movie within yeah. like five days of the release. It's unbelievable. <laughs> at first I was pissed about it, and then I realized, well, you know, it's I don't know. It's inevitable at, at a certain point now. Apparently that there's it's there's just not even hiding from it, really. I, th- I think it's safe to say there will be spoilers in our discussion. Yes. Spoilers so, ahoy. So... <laughs> Uh, I think we could probably dispense with going into much detail about what the movie was. Right. Everyone has seen it, right? Right. It's, it's a it's a 30 years later, real-time right. next, next chapter in the story of the Star Wars universe, and it's been done in a very nostalgic, callback manner. Absolutely. In order to bridge the nostalgia of the origi- what we like most about the original Star Wars, that the prequels kind of fell apart. Um, uh, sort of underexploring, yeah, and then bridging it into stories for the for for this next generation. Yeah, uh, I'd like to ask you, what did you think of it? I have seen it twice now. The first time we saw it, we went to the big D three D screen, which is kind of Idaho's knockoff version of IMAX, where it's got the 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 huge screen and the wraparound like thirty seven speakers or something stupid like that, and the the layback seats and all that. And then the second time we saw, we saw it at like the cheap matinee in the smaller theater with the mother in law kind of thing. Right, right. And I really enjoyed it. I I I. It's a Star Wars movie, and it's they. I think they walk the line between callbacks and fan service 
and new story really delicately. I was surprised by how decent that was. I'm uh, I'm sensitive to the fact that you've you've talked for about uh, Force Awakens for hours <laughs> amongst your friends. Right, you had a whole podcast, deeply dapper dispatches about Force Awakens. Right, um, I've talked about it with three or four friends here at nauseum and my own, and put my wife to sleep talking about it. But um, I will say that the it's funny to see the wave of popular opinion. Everyone and their friend Frank were freaking out about Star Wars leading up to its release. Right. And then they came out all freaking out about how great it was. Mm-hmm. And then a couple days later, everyone sort of jumping on the bandwagon about complaining about the choices made in the film. Yeah. Um, and I think that's funny because that's that's hype. Right? It is. Absolutely. It would have been the same about a Super Bowl. Right. Or right. Um, if you strip away all that llama drama about expectation. Right. That was an impossible task. Absolutely. And, and and please everybody. Yeah. And I think that uh, I think Abram's choice to make it um, to follow uh, what Lucas himself called the ring, you know, or was adapting from right. other words, the concept of the of the ring theory for screenwriting. Right. That mm-hmm. he was going to be, you know, it's a concentric. They're going to keep talking about the same themes and the same stories and keep, uh, you know, taking more passes at the same thing and having it change slightly and evolve. Right. It's a very interesting choice. Um, it allowed him to play with with this nostalgic narrative, but at the same time, it allowed him to make you feel like one of if one of the central themes of Star Wars is destiny, right? It gave a sense of rationale as to why the same people, like the same four people, are the pivotal people looked at in the universe, right? right? Or whatever, which has always been something that's frustrating about these kinds of narratives. It's like why in this whole galaxy, and you know. All the people and all the creatures and all the fights that are happening. <laughs> Why do we care about these two and what they did? And, you know, you know the, the thing about that, though, is people always complain about that. They're always like, this is so coincidental. How did these people end up together and blah, blah, blah. But it's not that these people happen to get together and this happened to happen. It's that that's happening all over the place. It's just that this is a story actually fucking worth telling of right. these people meeting together. But I mean, also with all the destiny stuff, right? Uh, all, the the way that the callbacks were made to New Hope right. allowed you to feel like uh, you were watching something that was meant to happen. Absolutely, like he, he was able to focus on characterization on his new characters and let you fill in the blanks about what was happening with the other characters. Right. You filled in the blanks what was happening with all the original um, New Hope cast, mm-hmm. and you even filled in the blanks about what was happening with a lot of the current cast. He could focus on specific things he wanted to talk about right. in the script, knowing that by by being that referential, mm-hmm. you, were bringing in, you were bringing in all that energy. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's interesting to me is that um, younger viewers of, the, of that movie seem to like it almost as much as I've been saying that people my age and older were the target audience because I was a kid when Star Wars came out. Right. But to be honest with you, I've talked to I've talked to two twenty year olds that seem to love it as much as I did. Yeah, yeah. I've been really interested to see the range of interest in this film. Um, it it really does span a really wide swath of people. And I've talked to a few people who have the kids that were the age we were when we first saw it. Are that are just obsessed with how much they love this movie and some of them have never seen the first trilogy the original stuff it's it's interesting to me how they managed to make a film that 
like you said, it, it kind of bridges that gap between the original fandom and new fans and still makes it accessible. I agree. I agree. And, uh, you know, uh, something similar that they did is that by um, allowing the narrative to play on themes that the original one did. Right. What's interesting about it is that I think that there are plenty of people. If there are five people on the planet who haven't seen Star Wars. Right. Three of them are familiar enough with Star Wars. To, Absolutely. You know, like those, those drunk YouTube videos where right. someone's describing it, but they didn't actually see it. Right. They're going to get all the beats generally right. Right. But, you know, young, young guy from the farm has a, gets a sword and whatever has a destiny in the stars. And then there's some people running around. People are being chased by the evil empire. And then there's some big super weapon and whatever. Right. So even though the events of the film were so referential to the first film Mm -hmm. and to, to a fault for some people, what it also meant was to me, it played like a, it was almost like a, a reboot, right? Yeah. But it wasn't. Yeah. It was a new story, and it had a new, it had some new themes, and I liked that it was really connected in continuity to the old story. Right. But by by playing with those same concepts, it was a way of sort of modernizing, or I don't know, just sort of solidifying those things for the people that maybe haven't even seen those movies. Yeah. Anymore. Yeah. Absolutely. Those young characters that we connected to in the first one that were the protagonists are now the the king and the queen and the old guard and that type of thing. And I, I think a lot of it kind of falls back to the fact that at its heart, all of these Star Wars films are classic movie serials. Right. Where the the tropes and the repetitiveness of them is actually kind of intrinsic to what the movie is in a lot of ways. Well, that's a, that's exactly right. I mean, he he just wanted he just wanted to do Buck Rogers, right? Right. Buck, right. Or Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon. Yeah. And they couldn't get the rights, so I'll just do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and it was nostalgia, and the fact that it became such a huge phenomenon that made it so serious. And so right. Legacy story in modern times, right? But it, it, but really, it was just a you know, it was we a serial. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely was. And it's not only was it a serial, but um, I think, like you said, the the way that it had been grabbed and become a serious thing, that's why the first, the episodes one through three were kind of a fail, is that he kind of lost focus to a certain extent and thought, okay, this is such a serious thing that people take so seriously. I've got to make these films really serious too, but I still want them to appeal to kids instead of saying, oh, well, I want to make some more fun space adventures, which is where he should have gone with them. Yeah, and he couldn't figure out what he wanted it to be. Yeah. So it ended up being a little of everything. And that's what's so jarring. I mean, I've only gotten through Phantom Menace, again, trying to rewatch them, and I barely get through that. And... Um, I do intend to watch the other two prequels. Just, just the completest nature in me wants to do that. Yeah, but absolutely. I was struck by how, and we talked about this before, but yeah. I was struck by how much they managed to make a um, a film that answered nothing that anyone wanted. <laughs> right. Um, I watched my kids, who I got them through the first three movies mm-hmm. at, at age four and six, and they were excited by them. Right. And then we go and we turn on Phantom Menace, and their eyes glazed over within. My yeah. son started playing with Transformers, and they were still in that blockade stuff. Yeah, there's just, just uh, it's one of those things where I think he he understood the importance of Star Wars but didn't understand 
why it was important to people. I, I don't think he he understood that what he needed to do was make more fun movies for it. Instead, he thought he needed to explain the, the chronology and all of that nonsense. And certainly as a, as a creator who likes to do story, build, story world building and, right. and sort of legacy storytelling uh, with my third rail design lab stuff, I, I, I see the prequels as a cautionary tale of what happens when you, go, you dive down the rabbit hole of detail Right, focusing on some bigger picture themes and tell a good story. Yeah, and that was the problem with it was that it was so uneven. And then to have the all that Jar Jar Binks kind of right. humor and all that other stuff. There were so many choices that were so random. The yeah. the lush green fields of Naboo, whatever, when they're having <laughs> right. their, their their whatever their battles. I just <laughs> nothing about that made any sense. Um, the effects. I mean, ILM was still doing visionary work at the time, but all right. that CG reliance um, looks so much worse, so especially heavy. today. It's so dated. Oh my god! And watching The Force Awakens and how phenomenal that practical effects stuff they did is is just it's insane to me to go back to watch. I've I've watched just a little bit of some of the prequels, just kind of browsing through them and. The amount of CG backgrounds and backdrops and sets that they used on it are—it's so jarring compared to seeing the people. It's jar jarring <laughs> compared to uh, the the real physical sets that took. I mean, the the whole sequence with the Millennium Falcon and them getting sucked into the freighter and that that chase sequence with the the Cthulhu beast things. Yeah. I was just... It, it felt like you were there. Yeah, yeah. It would not have had the same effect if it had been a digital background that they were running past and that kind of thing. Something I was very impressed by in this film, and I felt it in the first trailer, and they they uh, they made good on it, which is they use scale mm-hmm. to make it feel powerful. Yeah. And I love... Going back to you know my architectural background and the way architecture is used to force uh, emotions in... in almost entirely negative examples, fascist architecture, but um, <laughs> the concept of, you know, Albert Speer, you know, the concept of things being, um, the steps being the wrong scale to make yeah. you feel awkward when you're climbing them and the, 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 the monumentality of structures that don't feel human scale so that you're always craning your neck and stuff. Right. I love that just as the designs have always been that way in Star Wars, mm-hmm. right? The Death Star is impossibly large and the yeah. Star stories are really big and all this. The bottom line, though, is... It's a story about people. Absolutely. Right? So then, uh, you know, in the original one, you had the cameras focusing on them running through corridors. And right. And them sitting around in, in these fairly compact uh, quarters in the Millennium Falcon. Let's go ahead. So scale. Yes. What I love is focusing on people and yet you have these very large sets and very larger than life spacey stuff, which is all about right. science fiction. It's a huge, you know, <laughs> wonderful settings. Right. Right. And, and to be fair, it's uh, because of all the callbacks and because of linking it all together, we basically had a uh, Tatooine uh, analog yes. and we had pop analog. And that, those were the two main, um, you know, physical environments that they were right. in. Right. But as far as scale goes, it was, an, it was so well done. That starting image from the original trailer yes. of her shooting across the, the the landscape, the horizon line, and you see the Star Destroyer. Yeah. Crushed. I've always, always, always so loved awesome. crash spaceships, right? Yeah. And I love that. I love that she's up in there. Yeah. And what a great gun on a mantle thing that 
she was in there scavenging and then later ends up sending the Millennium Falcon into the into the same space. Oh yeah. That, yeah. That starts where like if she hadn't known it so well. Right. Or at least the implication was that she knew it well enough to feel like, well, I, I have a chance. Yeah. It, right? Yeah. Um, all that stuff. Um even the even the, the walking into Maz is her, her name Maz? Maz Kanata, yeah. Maz Kanata going into her little uh her little whatever trade trading city or whatever it is you have that really tall arch that you're coming into with all the flags overhead and all that stuff um the the way that they scaled the uh you know the death star part three (laughs) right right killer base (laughs) environments were set up to be a series of human scaled environments then open up into these huge chasms right infinitely long gantry i had to figure out the word gantry to describe (laughs) that super skinny uh you know super skinny gangplank without right you know railings you no know, kind of support structure at all <laughs> all of those what i loved about it was like so much else about this movie is they pulled out of macquarie's designs yes. all the good stuff yeah and the original star wars pulled really great imagery from there and they mm-hmm. and they evolved the designs to the point that we liked them yeah they're awesome but what i loved about some of the sets in force awakens is they pulled imagery from the concept original concept art that i recognized from looking at it over <laughs> right, the years, right right <clears throat> and uh, and the scale of it was so well done i just loved it yeah everything had such a classic like 60s conceit to it in the design on it yeah. there was so much of that that you'd see that you'd be like oh my god this looks just like these old science fiction stuff the the, the old books that we'd read the cover art and everything fit into that world as well as it fit into the modern world in terms of sci-fi, which I thought was really cool. I love that you saw that, that structure from the concept art back in the day that was like a big, like a long red roof structure over like two pagodas, you know, that, yeah. that, that thing. And then later they crushed through it, you know? Yeah. That's super great. Uh, you know, here's the thing though. I've, I've listened to many people, talk about the good and the bad in that movie. Mm-hmm. I've read the reviews that talked about how well they thought that they pulled it off. And I've read the ones where they complained about how being so referential was right. Was the, 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 the limpest way of starting this thing out mm-hmm. and the safe bet and all this, which I think is hindsight. Yeah. It's uh, questionable. But what, what I thought, what I thought was great was, um, I don't know if you've seen this article. I'm trying to remember where it was originally, um, We'll get it on our site eventually, but um, someone wrote this great response. You know, the, there was the one article that was like the forty big plot holes and oh yeah, yeah, and, and and just savaged the 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 film and talking about how irrational everything was. And then someone else wrote in and rebutted without any specifics in them, but <laughs> right, yeah, butted every single point and said, "Are you kidding? Right. Me? Do you forget what fun is? Do you yeah, forget the, just the story and just enjoy it for what it is." That was the most entertaining back and forth it about really this film. It really was, yeah. Because that 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 critical drubbing of the plot points mm-hmm. actually did bring me down. It, it it did hurt it for me a little bit. I was I was like, watch reading that, going, yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. Why is this and why is that? And then the rebuttal, I was like, yeah, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I agree. I think that's one of the the better articles I've read, just because it does. 
both ends of it do bring up interesting points, but particularly the rebuttal where it's it's a fucking it's a fun science fiction movie. It's got some fantasy elements in it, and it's got a lot of callbacks, but it's got a lot of callbacks to things besides just Star Wars. I rewatching it the second time in particular without the the anticipation and the excitement and the 3D and the big surround sound was actually really beneficial to me where I'd sit down in front of the 2D screen, the smaller screen, smaller crowd and rewatching it in that environment, I actually found it to be a much more enjoyable film than the first time I saw it because it removed some of the glitzy glamour gloss off the top of it, yeah. and it still felt like a Star Wars movie. My my experience was almost the inverse. I saw it the first time as the opening film for the new theater in San Francisco called the Alamo Draft House. Right. They had right. other this this franchise has some other theaters um, elsewhere in the country, and they've they've built on this tradition of um, fully catered adults only dining theater right environment, right you actually have a little table between each pair of seats a little table shaped like a guitar pick and you That's fill awesome. out your order and, and then they come along and they take your order they bring you the food and so forth throughout the whole movie right so many things could go wrong with that and mm-hmm. yet it was fantastic the, the staff are are hunched over the whole time because they have to it's crazy <laughs> try to be unobtrusive and everything and 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 the fact that they can handle close out of bills in the last 20 minutes and not ruin the film experience yeah really tells you something about um how it's done but and how well they do it and the food is amazing it's not right I mean, it's, it's not theater food it's it's amazing food. anyway the point though is it was a big theater but it wasn't any special treatment it wasn't an imax and it wasn't a 3d or anything like that it was just right it had a uh curated pre-movie uh, film that was a combination of like the TV specials, Star Wars TV specials, <laughs> right on YouTube things of stormtroopers dancing and mm-hmm. random stuff like that all fused together. So it was very uh, a very focused that's cool. uh, experience. It was fantastic. <laughs> so then the second time I went, I went to what was actually you know Lucas's his his big theater, the one that that Star Wars first came out in, and that he's he. You know, they continued to to beef it up with technology when the prequels came out. So right. They, so it's 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 here in Marin, and um, so it was a 3D. It wasn't IMAX, but it was a 3D huge screen experience. Okay. I had I had the, I had the, gla- the goggles and everything. Right. The 3D goggles that my my buddy uh, bought me. <laughs> I have <a> Cap- <laughs> Captain Phasma goggles. Now. Right. And um, you know, the 3D effects were great and all. It wasn't didn't beat you over the head with them. Right. Uh, you know, it wasn't designed to be a 3D film, so mostly right. what you'd see it is things like the ships. You know, that one shot of the Star Destroyer out. coming out was pretty sure. phenomenal. <laughs> and then you'd see a lot of stuff in the dogfighting. It made dogfighting mm. a lot more. Um, you get a sense of 3D. Yeah, it's really cool. immersive with the dogfighting stuff. Yeah, if I just said the 3D gives you a sense of 3D. <laughs> um, <laughs> up next in Wichita Radio. Right. So the, the thing is. Um, also, a lot of the close-up stuff between actors and their backgrounds, it, you got a sense of depth, which you didn't get. On right. The but I right. have to say, I didn't, I didn't miss the 3D, and yeah, um, I, I, I perfectly enjoyed it in a in a normal viewing environment. And so, mm-hmm. for a big budget science fiction film, I was amazed at that. And yeah, yeah. Bring it to it. We bring it to the theater. Our our enthusiasm. You know, I was designed to want to like that movie, but right. You know, I. 
most of these kinds of films and all of the superhero stuff, we go to the biggest, you know, the biggest right. theater you can, and we want it to be slap us in the face. Um, this was one where the experience was great in both in both uh, formats. So, so, uh, so what I wanted to talk about a little bit was um, now that we've seen all of these. You know, the initial hype has gone away. We've right. seen all positive reviews, then the rebuttals to those reviews, and then the rebuttals to the rebuttals. <laughs> um, what strikes me is, you know, just like leading into the into Force Awakens in the first place, the the fact that it's so omnipresent. Everybody right. Has, everybody's speculating like crazy. And there's only so many options, right? It's mm-hmm. like anything where you've gone, you, you worry it to death to the point where no matter what choice is made, what you came up with might be better. It's like lost back in the day. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. Um, What's interesting to me about it is that uh, people feel limited to uh, follow a certain selection set of options. Mm -hmm. So it's what I was thinking of as, as a morphology of speculation. So I listened to uh, other podcasts and I listened to people talk about it and every, everything is about, well, is this person that, original character and is that person this right person, this character and whose mother is who's the mother of this one and who's the father of that one and everything has to be all wound together like the same same seven characters absolutely of course like like this is completely a, a retread of the first one and everyone has to be represented in a different way <laughs> yeah that she's a female luke skywalker and tattooing and this right and, and uh, to me it's very limiting that they're doing that it is and it, not only is it limiting but it it shows that they desperately want this to be a complete retread of the original Star Wars, and they want to try and find some way to cram these characters into that role, no matter what, so it supports their position of that. Yeah, I find it very... It seems like with people I talk to, physically. Right. Real people. Real, real people in the world. Real people! <laughs> they seem in- incapable of imagining that some of these newer characters are not merely ciphers of older characters. Right. That they have elements of each like i was thinking of, i was talking to one friend and they were really focused on kind of like archetype assignments right like well finn no no it was like uh poe dameron is the han solo of the new series right like, why he is the or like they were talking about the you know the assignment of character traits across characters now mm-hmm. well okay now this one gets to be the rogue and that one gets to be the the one who resisting their 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 origins and right. you know, whatever else and, and I was thinking that it, it's a, a powerful component of the story. It is. That there are these things. I mean, this this is proto, proto-genre proto fiction, right? Absolutely. All these tropes have been around long before Star Wars. Right, yeah. We're talking all the old school serials again here. <laughs> We've got the orphaned hero and... John Carter, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, but to me, I think it's funny that everyone is so focused on, well, this is that character... This personality was given to that person, and this one is that one. Who's Finn? What do they play? Right. And to me, in both viewings, I, I got to go in and just enjoy them as who they were. And I know that for some urgent movie, some of the dialogue was a little light for some people, that it was yeah. too humorous maybe for some. I could see that. But I loved the amount of personality I got out of Poe Dameron in, yeah. his, in his references to – in his discussion with Kylo Ren, you know, like who goes who goes first, and right. his enthusiasm about just sort of adopting this former stormtrooper and being so unapologetically supportive of the guy, yeah, um, you know, Finn uh, inflating himself about being a big deal and all this other stuff. <laughs> I thought that was really good. Yeah, 
I think, and, and of course, all that great stuff about um, about Ray not needing rescuing and all yeah. that stuff. Let go of my hand, you know. Yeah. I liked all those beats in the script and how those actors uh, portrayed them such that I didn't ever feel like, when I was watching it, I didn't feel like I needed to pigeonhole the people that I was looking at as new reincarnated versions of no no particularly in this movie where it's like oh pose han solo no han solo is han solo in this movie because fucking han solo's in this movie or, or was yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> so i don't know i think that's interesting um, yeah we, we as fans get so focused on the similarities um it's it's amazing that um, it's it's hard for some to step back a little bit and say, well, actually, you know, maybe these characters could be a little bit of everything. Yeah, and that leads me to Kylo Ren. He right. was so powerful. That performance by Adam Driver was so powerful because he played the conflict. Yes, and with immaturity in a way that. I think Lucas had hoped to do with Anakin. And, Absolutely. And that's, that's exactly what I was thinking is, man, this is what Anakin should have been like in the prequels without question. <laughs> I, read, I read something great yesterday, which was, or two days ago, which was that um, I was reading about the concept of gatekeepers. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard that term? I've heard um, the term, but I don't know in so reference to this. A gatekeeper in this, in this terminology, it's, it's, it's a super fan that feels uh, an inflated sense of possession over something and then ah. is critical that other people when they're trying to get in on it. So like the gatekeeper is the, the, maybe the someone's brother you're in school, like their older brother or sister who's really into the mighty, mighty Deftones. And, right. And, oh, you like that? <laughs> well, no, you don't understand. You know, so you see those super fans everywhere. I like how so- you, you picked, you cherry picked mighty, mighty boss tones as your reference <laughs> oh, no, point. No, here. No, sorry. <laughs> I the deaf tones? Well, I'm 40. I'm 42. What am I? <laughs> or the boss tones, but yeah. What? yeah the, 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 the point being that reading that, it made me realize that Kylo Ren is a total gatekeeper. And I'm sure yeah, someone has that. come up with this already as, yeah. as a reference, but it occurred to me that way that he's behaving about the force the way a yeah. gatekeeper does. He's got this fairly immature. Um, He's all emotion. He's all, you know, dark side. Right. Great. Um, so he doesn't really have a, a sense of perspective or experience on it. He's no veteran. Right. He, he discovered them. You know, it's like right. the, 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 the argument about hipsters. And, you know, yeah. your dad was the hipster. I liked my grandpa <laughs> before you guys knew it was cool to like <laughs> yeah. him. Yeah. And well, and he's he's clearly being manipulated into that role as well, which yeah. I like. I, I like the fact that he's got this sense of entitlement and possession that he's like, oh, I have this familiar connection with this character and I need to create it again because what he did is so cool and I know it's so cool. <laughs> well, yeah, and I love that um, the gatekeeper thing when he's dealing with Ray. First, he's so belittling to her, like, wow, she's right. just a scavenger and blah, blah, blah. Well, no, you don't Oh, you have some force sensitivity. Well, you don't really understand it because I'm super cool. Right. And all of a sudden he's like, okay, well, if you really want to be in on it, then you, you need to hang out with me and I'll show you what's – Right. I'll show, yeah. I'll show you which bands are cool. You know. And, and, <laughs> and it was frustrated when she didn't go along with it. I mean I, that aspect of him just really cracked me up. Yeah. I about that. I mean was... I thought he was possibly the most compelling character in that movie. Um, well, and it was really, I, I mean, it wasn't subtle per se, we, him smashing open things that pissed him off with a lightsaber, but the way he portrayed his character was really subtle in a lot of ways, where he had this, 
this pretentiousness about himself because of what he knew, which bands were cool, and he kind of thing. <laughs> well, he, he he did reek of uh, an, an 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 unfully formed villain yes. in a way that was exciting. Yeah, and Darth Vader was so he came to the you know he he came to the screen already implying adventures that have been happening for decades right. prior and, and he just came fully formed and everyone was scared of him. Right. Whereas, um, you know, where, whereas Ren, K- Kylo Ren is evoking his idol. Absolutely. And is trying to present himself that way, but he's kind of a poser. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting. He's a very dangerous one. Yeah. He's and like he first shows up. He, th- he seems like he's the real deal. <laughs> right. But, yeah, he's like that guy that shows up to the role-playing game session with all three versions and all of the monster manuals and all the <laughs> pre-painted miniatures, but he's never played a single game of Dungeons & Dragons before. <laughs> a rules lawyer, but he doesn't really understand exactly. what's going on. Well, you know, to me, that makes him also leading throughout that first viewing. Right. That's what makes him most compelling is I didn't know which way he was going to go. Right. Um, and I like that even now people are still debating whether or not his – his uh, his dialogue on the gantry was mm-hmm. real. Was he really conflicted? The dark side and the light. I don't know. And then finally, just sort of doubled down and made his choice. Right. Or was that all um, him luring Han closer and closer to mm-hmm. make the final to make the the symbolic gesture that he knew he had to make right. to, to continue his training? Like right. he couldn't just kill his father. He's got to. He's got to really mind fuck him first, right? <laughs> so I don't know. I don't what know what is like, your take on it? it? Uh, I actually, I actually felt like he was debate. I felt like he was um, conflicted. I actually thought he was conflicted. I thought he was bouncing around. Um, uh, we've seen that in the real world. Mm-hmm. All of us have known people that were under extreme emotional distress, right. possibly a little unhinged, possibly under the influence of things um, where you could see them waffling back and forth and it to a dangerous level like right you were a little bit like i need to step away i step a few feet back from that person i don't know if they're able to hold it together that's how i felt about him See, most of that movie. I, I read it as a little darker than that i i definitely read the conflict and the difficulty he had in deciding whether to go with the light or dark side of the force but to me on that bridge in particular he he read as somebody that was really struggling with the choice that he had made to go to the dark side and that he needed his father's help to end the conflict in him between the dark and the light side and help him kill Han to make his choice solid kind of thing. Yeah, he kind of solidifies his move into the darkness. Um, uh, so this is totally a side thing, but you know, all these, uh, you know, people are speculating about who's what and who's what's the reference to these characters that don't have a background that has been <laughs> thoroughly detailed right. to you now. So, of course, everybody is related to everybody. But so, you know, everyone's it's all about, you know, is Ray a Kenobi? Is she right. a Skywalker? Is she not? Is she a pure force creature again? Like Anakin. <laughs> right. Um, but the one that cracked me up the most was I heard a reference a couple days ago that someone was claiming that the female character in Rogue One mm-hmm. will be Rey's mother. So. Okay. Uh, it's like they don't understand how time works. Yeah. Right? Yeah. She, she'd be giving birth at 80 or something. I mean, I don't understand exactly how that's <laughs> right. supposed to happen. Those are events prior to New Hope, right? Right. 
there's a female on that poster. Oh my god, so she must be the mother. Must, you know. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I, I'm actually really enjoying not knowing. I am too. Um, and as much as it's interesting to kind of speculate and it's fun, um, I like that I don't know, and I like that there's. I like the idea that maybe these characters are just the characters they are. Yeah, and I know yeah. with her there's going to be a connection. I, you know, it's, it seems like there's just is too loaded. Yeah, but, uh, I hope yeah. Finn is just a stormtrooper. I hope that. Yeah, I'd is... be totally okay with that. Particularly I... Finn, if they try to cram him into some role, it's going to feel incredibly, incredibly forced. There's no way they can be like, well, he, his dad criticism. was wicked. And... Yeah, I was going to say, especially <laughs> with the criticism in all the previous movies that there are four African American characters in the entire Star Wars right. galaxy. It would really suck if he was related to one of them. Right? Yeah, he's Lando Car- Calrissian's <laughs> uncle. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the other thing, I've read that um, there's speculation that some of the one of the characters in Rogue One will be related to Poe Dameron. That one I can handle better. Yeah, I'm okay with I, that. I, I, I can accept the idea that there's been a generational component to fighting the the the, the empire yeah. slash orders resistance slash rebellion. You know, I can I can accept that. Yeah, I'm okay but with that. I, yeah, I, I just don't want them all to be woven into the same family tree. Right, right. So, yeah, I'm actually I'm I'm kind of hoping that Ray does not end up being a Kenobi or something like that. I'm okay with there being some sort of connection, but I don't think it's necessary for her to become the daughter of somebody or the granddaughter of somebody yeah yeah maybe she's a she's a moff tarkin or whatever <laughs> a tarkin that would be actually i'd, I'd be okay with that actually <laughs> that, would be really, that would be a funny left field thing that they were to yeah do. you know make it make her palpatine's granddaughter or something say, like Lo- that robot's niece <laughs> yeah <laughs> Lobot. <laughs> i love that guy so uh i look like him there yeah. was more than one halloween where i thought i could pull that off but i was gonna make it out of like a uh uh, like scientific calculators and stuff. Oh, nice. Anyway, um, so we've talked a bit about the idea that we might identify certain things in the movies that we talk about or the projects that we talk about that were like the best, the yes. best detail or the thing that we like the most. Yes. The red, the red tentacle, if you will. The red tentacle. Yeah. I'm wondering if you have any red tentacles for Force Awakens. Uh, I have a couple of moments in that movie that really hit me that I really enjoyed. Um, but I have to say my, my two biggest things, the music in and of itself made that a star Wars film for me. And that was pretty huge to me, but I've got to, I've honestly got to give the red tentacle award to Chewie in this movie. He was more likable and like had more personality in him than he's ever had before without question to me. Yeah. Yeah, and and the they they really they got the tone right about characters being able to talk to him. Yeah, um, but you don't know what he's saying, but that his body language and what they're saying seem to jive. Yeah, like, it was. I, I thought it was hilarious that um, I've always loved the idea of people being too close to Chewie and getting strangled. Right, and Lando. Right, right. And now I love that Finn was being told here, patch him up. <laughs> right, <laughs> angry, angry Wookiee <laughs> with a separated shoulder laser blast or whatever and right. wants you to stop that bleeding well and that the, the scene with Chewie and the nurse in the rebel base oh, yeah. is just so great where she's like oh yeah you're a big strong man oh yeah it was dangerous <laughs> you know that would take more to give character characterization to that role than ever than yeah, anything absolutely. I absolutely loved it yeah that and all the callbacks of him yelling you know 
um, giving uh, Han Solo sass. Yeah. I thought it was funny though. Someone referenced, I think it was in um, the Weekly Planet, but they it podcast, but they were talking about how I think it was that one where they were talking about how they come back from the destruction of the four skiller base and mm-hmm. land and and Leia's looking at Ray and Ray's n- nodding sadly and she's looking sad. Everybody else is partying it up in the background. Right. And then Chewie just waltzes right past Leia. Like he's, he needs some alone time. Yeah. Like, that, it was a funny choice. It was a very deliberate thing. I think. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Next thing you know, he's, in, he's co-piloting again. Yeah. Um, he, that guy was, you know, he, he spent more time with Han than anyone else. Right. And I love the, the little touches of their history that they added to it. How Chewie handed him his coat at one yeah. point. And where he's yeah, just like, yeah. put your coat on, buddy. And I just... I. I think they did the such a pocket. great job. Yeah. That was, yeah. That was dope. Um, uh, before I forget, I was reading an article on the, on the Mary Sue, mm-hmm. um, which, which was a, an appropriate website to be reading given that that's what they accused Ray of being when <laughs> right. the first came out. Right. It's fan service, but um, it's, it's a female centric uh, blog. It is, but, but it's really, it's great. It's I love excellent. It. I yeah. shouldn't say, but it's great. It is great. I love it. <laughs> but it's great. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what I'm what I'm trying to focus on was that they were referencing um, the. Um, I think they were talking quite a bit about the gatekeeper phenomenon of Kylo mm. Ren. Actually, I think about it, it was definitely the, that tone is if the article I was reading. But right. they made, made a point about um, that when he's when he turns to try to turn when he starts to try to turn Ray, mm. like join me, whatever. She's a the the writer was like, oh oh, don't even. Don't even tell me he's going to start mansplaining the force to her. <laughs> that was so awesome because that's a real, that's a legit thing. Nice. Oh, I mean, I totally get that comp, that that concept. Yeah, absolutely. Being explained to and talked down to <laughs> as, a, as a as a woman, when frankly you're a girl from a backwater is, planet. <laughs> yeah, sure. Let me explain you how the world works, right? Right. So, a couple of red tentacles I have. They're they're less monumental than what you said, but um, one is I just cannot get enough of BB-8. Doing a thumbs up with a burner. Oh God, yes! Uh, yes. I have that GIF on my desktop. <laughs> time to time, I love that. Um, another is I really loved. Um, I don't think that there was. Well, the, I guess I would give a red tentacle to the way they made ships feel um, like they followed the laws of physics, even yes. when their their drives and everything don't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's nothing realistic about any of it. The design of a TIE fighter is brutally wrong. I mean, we talked about this <laughs> right. at nausea, but I loved – I also loved that it had backwards firing lasers now. But the, yeah. what, I, what I loved were these little touches, literally touches, yeah. where the ships felt grounded in the real world such as I loved when the Millennium – when she's trying to get a hold of the Millennium Falcon and it's bouncing around. I love that it skims the sand. Yes. Right? It cuts a line in the sand with the side of it. Yeah. Showing how rugged it is, too. Like it didn't just right. explode. Right. right. And then, um, which is what I thought of when the recent um, uh, um, takeoff and landing of the rocket failed and the, the little <laughs> landing, the right. landing pod didn't. <laughs> didn't stand out right and it just fell over and blew up you know <laughs> right and then the millennium falcons is grinding its way it, it can get in and out of atmospheres and it can also grind like scars in the soil right right but then, but then the uh the uh the other the other one i liked was um trying to take off with the tie fighter and it's tethered oh still, yeah but, yeah whatever it's exhaust port cable or whatever the hell that thing was and it was like yeah, it had know, such a great and, physicality to it, and yeah. yeah, I loved it. And then when they, when he's blasting them, and they're all flying all over the place, and he's right. shooting up 
the 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 bay. Um, that was really great too because it was a reminder of just how powerful these little Tie Fighters are. To right. some, other than other ships that it's dogfighting, right? Yeah. So and that scene like, could have I gone like... so wrong so easily too with the tether because I, other movies that had tried to do something like that, it could have easily felt like just a CG thing floating there with no kind of weight and no consequence yeah. to it. And instead people are friggin' like flying everywhere and it's making sparks and it's gouging the floor and I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it was neat. It still felt like it has a larger-than-life drive in it that makes no sense. It's just got right. no... There's no gravity to it; just it hovers, you know. But at the same right. time, that tether, yeah, grounded, and I really like that. And so then once that thing popped and it made the Tie Fighter noise, oh, so <laughs> <Yeah>. great! <laughs> so I got a red tentacle to, uh, to 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 when ships touch things. I guess nice, <laughs> so, nice. Yeah. This is a probably an oddity in the world of Force Awakens review discussions because we basically skipped the whole review of the movie and just talked about talking about the movie. Right, right. <laughs> But I'm okay with it. That's how we it's roll at Robot Kraken. That's right. It's a month after it came out, and you know, our moms have each probably talked about this movie, so right? More than we have, so that's I think we're fine. <laughs> I think we covered it. I think yeah. we covered it now, and we'll probably be referencing it for the next I don't know ten years. So I yeah, almost good. undoubtedly. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I don't know what's next. I believe the next on our list is planned plundering here at Robot Kraken. Tell me, uh, what is a planned plunder? Well, planned plunder is basically where we talk about something that's coming up that we're excited about. Right, a like book that. or a movie or a TV show or some adventure you're headed off on. Got it. I have to buy batteries later. <laughs> your, your, your planned plundering is a vibrator? <laughs> that's, not what, that's not what I said. I didn't say that. You dragged us into the gutter. <laughs> so, we were in the gutter already. <laughs> so, so, what are, so what are you uh, looking forward to um, in these next few weeks before we... You know, the, the thing I'm most excited about, and this is kind of lame, but uh, for the next four weeks or so, I don't have anything planned really solidly. And I might actually be able to get some artwork done, which I'm pretty excited about, actually. I am super excited that that's happening to you. Because yes. whenever you do actually... Uh, draw something <laughs> I get really envious of your skills so I'm really looking forward to it I've seen a few you've been doing the last uh, this past week and I'm like He's well, back. Well, and I've had a rough time lately, too, because, like, I really wanted to do a, a Bowie tribute, and I've just not been able to pull it off the way I wanted to. But I sat down and actually put pen to paper the other day on that, that Skeksy drawing that I'm working on, and I'm really, like, like it reinvigorated me, and I pulled back out the, the Cintiq and started drawing on it again. And I think part of it's just that there's a little bit of that learning curve because I just got that yeah and it's so different from drawing on any of the other wackums that i've used before that it's it's been interesting but it's been fun <laughs> is, that, is that how you say it is it a wackum that's what they've pronounced it like on some videos i've seen from wackum but i've always called I, it a wacom so me too, yeah I'm by wackum yeah wackum sounds the, funny who in their right mind would have a company named wackum it's probably some legitimate reason it probably is yeah so apparently okay. that's the correct pronunciation. But we call it Wacom here, apparently. So. Yeah, I, I refuse. In Robot Kraken World, yes. it's a Wacom. It's Thank a Wacom tablet, bitches. So that's sto- so I'm, I'm stoked that you're stoked. So are you yeah. also uh, planning to build some Lego action in the near future that you're excited about? 
Actually, I'm not. Um, okay. We ended up not being able to get any of the Legos that I wanted to get for Christmas because um, we got a puppy, and then my car's got some repairs that need to be done and that kind of thing. Uh, so we'll see. Um, there's a chance we we have some money set aside for the car stuff, and if that ends up being cheaper, then because I've got to get new tires and new brakes and yeah, sure. basically prep for the con season coming up here, and if that ends up being a little cheaper than we'd anticipated, I might pick up the ghostbusters house uh firehouse or something like that but we'll have to see they're they're not cheap (laughs) yeah that's for sure every time i would go to um to get the kids the kids the kids like a lego kid um you know i I think to myself i'm gonna get the big one and then i go and i look at it and i'm like oh what (laughs) and when you told me the price of that 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 firehouse i was like wait a minute yeah Is is that possible yeah well, and they just released uh, uh, the DC 60s Batman Batcave, too, right, which yeah. is super cool looking. They've got the, the little room up top with the Shakespeare head that pops open yep. <laughs> and the, the pole that they slide down. But it's like 270 bucks. So it's yeah. it's like it's expensive shit, man. I like the um, I think the Ghostbusters one is a is a more uh, fully realized kit. I, I agree. Creating something that then. You really feel like you accomplished it. Yeah. The Batman one seems more, um, I don't know, anachronistic, I guess. Yeah, it's more um, of a playset yeah. than a, a showpiece like the firehouse is, I think. Uh, shortly after Christmas, I decided um, – I realized that we had focused on so many other things like we talked about in our pre-Christmas episode. Right. Uh, uh, We'd gotten so many other things. We didn't get um, really any significant Legos for the kids. Oh. <laughs> um, I mean, they had their Lego... Um, advent calendars. Advent calendars yeah. and so forth. And there's some some small stuff. And I got some Legos um, from family that the kids end up playing with. But I didn't get them any big sets. Right. And, uh, you know, just like how the Star Wars uh, toys all disappeared <laughs> in, in the Christmas fervor. Right. the movie came out, um, I kitted myself into thinking I could roll over to the Lego store oh, or, no. down, or down to you know, <laughs> Target or Toys R Us and pick out a big – while we still had the Christmas break. I said, I'm right. going to get a big Lego kit. I don't care what it costs. I'm going to bring it home. I'm going to build it with the kids. Right on. Take, take a photo of it and they blow it up. Right. And I went and I just saw tumbleweeds, <laughs> Toys R Us, the shelves. Some of the shelves were like broken. Like they were – they had come loose and were wobbly. <laughs> I saw like a spilled uh, big gulp. Or, uh, nice. or whatever, some sort of thing nice. like that. There's and some slurm over in the corner. <laughs> it did totally look like when a company goes out of business, right? Right. It was just they were, there was no hope of being restocked anytime soon. Yeah. Just obliterated. And then Target was clean and organized, but they just didn't have, didn't have any anything. of the Star Wars sets. Right. Uh, uh, Lego sets. So. I don't know. Um, I think maybe when some of the the fervor dies down, I'll I'll pick up something larger for the kids. Yeah. To and by the kids, I mean they kind of help me as I do it. <laughs> right, exactly. You have some assistance. <laughs> That's right. So as far as me. Yeah, uh, what are you looking forward to in your planned plund- plundering, Mr. Tom? Well, okay, so you talked me into, or rather you. <laughs> I did not have to talk you into it very hard, sir. Yeah, okay. You told me about <laughs> the, uh, the Hellboy Deluxe Edition series. I have been a huge Magnolia fan forever, as you know, as you yes. are too. I have most of the Hellboy stuff already in trade paperbacks, as well as individual comics, and right. Uh, and I fell off the wagon in the last few years. I haven't been buying them, but I knew I could get them in further trades, so I was just 
going to get more Hellboy stuff like the end and right. things and then uh, and then also catch up on the BPRD and stuff. But you you pointed me at these big deluxe editions and I got really excited about the idea <laughs> that they would be bigger pages. Right. Fresh printing so that the you know, the quality level of the of the color on the page is much better than the original printings were. Right. Uh, it's the it's the you know, it's that whatever that series they've been doing that for marvel yes. and dc stuff yeah they, the they call it the library stuff. editions for uh, dark right. horse yeah so yeah so i you know and i like the fact that some of the um, concept art and behind the scenes stuff was included because that's my favorite thing in a yeah. collective to see all the the stuff and you may recall with my with my own comic um you know i put as much work into the annotations and all oh, the yeah. references that went into it as as the actual art if not to, three times more yeah, or better or worse right? yeah so, so that to me was the part that i was excited about and so i had gotten a, I, I picked them up and i opened the first one and i was a little on the fence like do i really want to keep all these because i know you know right. i don't like the corbin vert uh period of the hellboy stuff just really killed yeah me. yeah but i can't not have I can't have some of the books and not all. Like it has to be a series, right? right? So I don't know. But anyway, so I'm excited about finishing the first volume and then and cracking the next few. Nice. Frankly, that leads to being excited about reading something, right? <laughs> something, something physical. It's been a long time. Yes. Even if it's a comic, you know, I, yeah. I want to I read those and then and then um, gently segue into actually reading fiction again. Right on. Uh, that's a goal for, of mine for this year is nice. to pick up some of the books I have queued up. See, and I need to start actually tracking my reading again. For a few years there, I was writing down and reviewing everything I read. And then the last couple of years, it just kind of got off the rails and I just read and didn't do anything about it. But right. I'm really looking forward to this year actually tracking what I'm reading and reviewing it again and that, that kind of good. thing. That sounds super good. You know, and also uh, I got the um, visual dictionary for Force Awakens and then the one that oh. was – all nice. the other uh, films combined. And right I got on. those and put them under the tree for the kids, which which was really about um, Zoe and me drawing them together. Right. right. And and I've shown you she drew Princess Leia out of that book, and it's which just awesome. amazing. Yeah. So I've also been using them as references for the, our ongoing uh, art jam stuff on, right. on Third Rail. But um, what I didn't get, and I made a terrible mistake about it, I didn't get the concept art book. Uh, and I then would I started seeing some that. of that. Yeah. I saw some of that uh, online and I said, I'm insane. So I got that. Oh, late, you did? Nice. I got it late last week um, on sale too. Got a nice. great price. On it. And uh, I've only cracked about 10 pages of it. Uh, I sat down with my daughter and she had so many questions that I wasn't prepared <laughs> to answer. Like, right. It was really interesting. I never thought about it. You know, I, I'm I'm introducing her to all of these fantastical worlds of fiction, right? And, and how do you explain to a child concept art means it's it's not real. This right. aspect of the fictional world is not real. It was leading up to, you know, you right? Know, concept art makes means nothing to her. And and we've got three pages in of this book before she said, "What's concept art?" <laughs> That's just another Vader, you know? Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, it's absolutely amazing. Right on. It blew me out of the water how, how great the uh, uh, that book is. And what I really like about it is, is that it's not just a collection of concept art. Right. It's chronological. So it right. talks, shows stuff in the order in which they were. Um, and just like the previous stuff, they were given the task of designing some cool stuff. And then they'll look at it and decide what sticks and what doesn't. Right. So it's really loose at the beginning. That's awesome. And then it starts to tighten as you go forward and, and uh, it's just like 
um, Cinefix and other magazines back in the day. Right. I love seeing how it went from an abstract to, oh, to yeah. what I yeah. saw. That was one thing I, I that I genuinely love from the prequels is I've got a couple of their preliminary concept art books and I love flipping through those even though the movies themselves weren't really super Star Warsy. it was so cool seeing the concept arts and the, the build up and how they went from a sketch into the actual physical reality and I, I love that type of book I think they're so fun super fun Yeah. Um, another thing I will say I'm looking forward to plundering I guess is uh, <laughs> I want to give the TV show Powers um, oh, right on. More chances. I saw the first one on uh, on my PlayStation as a, as, you know, they give you the first one on there. Right. And um, I was struck by how bad and good it was. <laughs> um, you've seen some of it, right? I've seen the first four episodes, okay. yeah. So that first one was uh, worse than any CW superhero shows. Yeah. Bad, if, bad. If, I guess I can't really pick on them. They're doing some good stuff. They now. are that doing good of, stuff now. That, that, that sort of like, uh, or like I, Smallville you know era. <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to say actually, it's it's uh, it's like NBC superhero style. Yeah, like, uh, like heroes. Yeah, walking around and then someone drew lightning bolts onto it. You know, <laughs> some of the effects work looks terrible. It really was the, the way that they're trying to do this. You know, this world where supers have existed for a long time. So someone's walking around with lime green hair right. and laser bolts on their on their jacket. And, Ooh, they're <laughs> crazy. Uh, and also um, adapting to um, – what's his name? Uh, Oming? Charlotte Char- – no, um, the actor. Charlotte Copley. Oh, sure. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, it's Charlito Copley, I think. We're so prepared. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. The homework was <laughs> um, his take on uh, on on Walker is very well. Obviously, many of the characters are changed from the right. Right. Dina Pilgrim is dramatically different in. Appearance, I actually not really in- like her in the show, though. I I, I love the actress that plays her in that. She's amazing, and she's I really so like that. Good. I like that they've made her character um, a somewhat cynical fan of yeah old powers in a way which is yeah they're dealing with all the copycats in the story like retro girl right um, or not retro girl but the uh the other girl but anyway yeah. um uh but also his his performance is uh, initially it's very difficult because he's marble mouthing his american accent right he's playing it in a weird way because he is a weird guy. He is. But he's, he's, but he's very a very quirky. Watchable guy. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to like his version. I'm just waiting for the comic Walker to bleed out. Right. Yeah. Bleed he's out of my completely head. opposite of what I would have pictured him being based off of Oming's art with the the big broad jaw and the huge shoulders and very like Bruce Tim Clark Kent looking. I was going to say in the original comic, he is. He's like a, yeah. He's like Clark Kent without the Superman, right? But everyone outed him, and now he's just that guy, right? Exactly. Um, really, he still has the physicality of the his super super's life. He right. just doesn't have power anymore, right? And he's also really world world weary and yeah about the, about the whole thing. Um, uh, I felt like in, in at least in that pilot, you get a lot more of him missing that world yeah yeah the there was early, a lot more of a wistfulness about it which surprised me in the early in the powers book he was over it 
until he got the Green Lantern shit, right? Right. And then all of a sudden he's like, well, actually, I kind of do don't mind this again. Yeah. But 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 in, when it first starts out, he's way over it. Yeah, he's, he fucking hates powers, and he's done dealing with it. And <laughs> yeah. So I think that they're doing um, – I think they're doing some really interesting stuff. Uh, Johnny Royale is killing it. Yeah. Oh my God, I love him in it. <laughs> I love it's, that actor. And yeah. I love it. He's doing the uh, the way the way they're handling it in terms of the effects too. They're not doing anything weird. It's just like he's winking in and out, and then there's right, head, right. Yeah, that guy reminds me a lot of Nick Cave. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I like <laughs> him a lot in it. So uh, when it started, the first half of that episode, that pilot, I was like, oh, oh no, it's a disaster. And then the second <laughs> half, I was like, wait, 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 it's getting good, actually. So <laughs> right. I know that they've released the first season on Crackle. Oh, really? And, um, oh. Yeah. But but I couldn't get it to come through the Apple TV on the Crackle channel because they were being selective about what they offer. Oh, okay. But you can get it on the web and then port it. So I'm going to – Right on. I, I think I'm going to do that. Yeah, I'll have to check that out too because I – yeah, what I've seen of it, I've really liked. I adore Eddie Izzard. Oh, yeah. And he's not who I would have pictured as Wolf, but no. he's great at it. Well, he's that guy that makes any any part he's in. He's one of those guys. Absolutely. Any part he's in, it's going to be better because he's the guy doing right, it. Right, right. So yeah, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to both watch it and talk about it definitely because I would. There's a good chance that'll happen. Be very excited about diving back into it. Did you see Riches when it was on? I saw some of Riches. I haven't seen the whole series of it, but that I loved him in it. Some of the most compelling stuff I've seen him do is that yeah. show. Watching him uh, bullshitting his way through it, and then at the same time having that fear that it's going <laughs> to oh, crash down right. around him. They, right. They, that con, that long con thing was really neat. Yeah, yeah, it really reminded me of shows like Breaking Bad and Weeds, but yeah. with a, a little bit more of an original conceit to it. And I'm kind of bummed that it didn't go on longer than it did. Yeah, yeah. Because I like uh, who played his wife in it too. I can't remember her name now, but I like her a lot Minnie, as well. Minnie Driver. Yeah. She'll always be the uh, girlfriend that got away from uh, Gross Point Blank. Oh yeah, yeah. I'd forgotten about that actually. She took a lot of uh, she took a lot of heat years ago because when she first came out, she was a bit heavier, mm-hmm. and then she lost a bunch of weight. Right. And seemed pretty excited about it, uh, as if to suggest that perhaps it wasn't entirely the Hollywood machine that was doing it. And maybe she just wanted to. I don't right. Because I'm I, I have never talked to her, but. <laughs> Um, I can only speculate on what was going through her mind. Right. She lost a lot of weight, and when she was in Gross Point Blank, there was this huge backlash that, well, Hollywood makes you know bigger girls feel like they have to be skinny girls in order to succeed. And I think that's true, mm-hmm. but I, don't, I never got the impression that she was an actress that Bowed forced to that herself type down. Of thing. Right. It seemed to me that she just you know lost some weight and that's ended up where she was. I don't know. Yeah. She's, she's looked pretty much the same ever since. I don't know. But – I remember her most from Gross Point Blank. Of all the roles she's done, I always go back to that movie. Yeah, I could see that. I, I until you'd mentioned it, I'd forgotten she was in that. But you. I, it's been a long time since I've seen that movie. I think it's excellent, but it's been a long time since I've seen it. Queens of the Hotel hit. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny. I actually listen to the soundtrack more often than I actually watch <laughs> the show. Me too, of course. <laughs> yes, it's on all the time. Oh my gosh! But yeah, it yes. seems like she was on some long-running TV show or something that I'd seen her on, and no, liked no. her, but I can't remember what. I can't argue with you. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. she was. 
I, I might have been. God, I don't remember what it was, but what is I, it about us uh, that we get on this thing? And we'll sit there and go, what was it again? Yeah. Instead of just looking it up. Instead of summoning the Imdaba and finding out. Yeah. Uh, any other time <laughs> in my life, I'm in the kitchen and my wife will say something like, who was that one? And I'm like, it's clearly. Yeah. Like, I, you know. I think it's because we want to sound like we're not looking stuff up on the internet. <laughs> yeah, mostly I just, you know what? I don't have to. You know? Yeah, just, no. Yes. No Fisher, who played Cal Malloy in The Riches, who was. That's right. No. <laughs> see what you just did <laughs> so anyway then uh we have another segment uh, that we're going to call i blame the sea yeah a chance for us to rant but i have to be honest with you um this week i've got nothing to rant about really considering all the computer problems you've had you have nothing to rant about that's the small irony isn't it I've had every piece of electronics i've touched has exploded in the last three weeks you know what's funny is i've had the same problem here but it's been minor stuff compared to yours like <laughs> like i could not get my playstation to read my external hard drive and like just no. little piddly stuff that i'm just like son of a bitch these little annoyances are driving me crazy this week but yeah i really don't have anything to rant about either right now so this was a useless segment. Yeah, stupid well, segment. <laughs> you know what it is? I've had so many computer problems. I've got, um, I've got my, I've got a family member in the hospital, and I've got right. some, you know, the holidays with staying home with the kids for a week. You know, that's like a pressure cooker, and then the people are, can't drive, and the rain limits my biking, and all this right. stuff. You know, but what it is is, I just don't want to give into it right now. Well, and that's like. Like, my car has a warning light on it, and I know what's wrong with it, and I know it's my fault. So I can't rant about that because it's my bad. <laughs> Routine maintenance is important, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well, who, said, who, who said that to you? That's a, that's a dick move. Thanks a lot. Well, you know, it is, this week's episode uh, or segment of I Blame the Sea is a whining session. It is. Yes, it's it's little piddly shit. <laughs> I envision this segment more about, you know, whatever, if there's been something you're itching to bitch about, well, here, you can bitch about it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't know, this week I'm feeling charitable. Yeah, I, I would say at some point local comic shops will inevitably show up on my rant about I Blame the Sea. But yeah. right now I don't have anything to complain about, so... Well, I guess that's just about enough of that. I guess so. <laughs> I think we should wrap up our premiere episode of uh, Robot yeah. Kraken. Yeah, let's let's move on to Ports of Call. I think I that's our, our next segment. This is where we talk about where you can find us in person. What are you at... talking about? Let's just end this thing. No, All we right, can't. We'll, we'll we have to do a closing, sir. People expect some sort of closure here. Just realize it's entirely. <laughs> we can't important. just hand out a lightsaber and then walk away. <laughs> so, Ports of Call, where are you going to be? I will – I actually just confirmed most of my con schedule for the year. Um, I'm still waiting to hear back on a lot of stuff. Um, a few of them just don't have anything up on their website yet or something like that. But I have confirmed that I will be at SaltCon March 3rd through 5th, which is, is a gaming convention. Thing? What's that? Is that your next one? Yeah, that is my next con. Okay. I don't have anything until March now. Got it. Um, X is also in March, which they just added Mitch Pileggi to their guest list. So nice. it's With becoming... A, I'm super excited about that. Um, 
I've been confirmed for a couple of others. I'm going to be at Crypticon Seattle, which is a horror convention. Huh. Um, the one I'm most excited about is I, they did officially confirm me for Star Trek Las Vegas, which Whoa. is going to be a monster. I'm going to be there for a week. I saw that in your list. I thought oh, it's insane. How do you keep from getting a um, con crud or whatever it is? Uh, if, for a week-long Star Star Trek convention. That one could be difficult. This is the longest con I'll have ever done. Um, last year, they... Last year, I think it was a four-day con. This year, it's a five-day because it's the 50th anniversary. But not only does the con run for the five days, but they have a night prior to the con starting where they let people that have the gold passes come in and check out the vendor room. So uh-huh. we're there from 6.30 to midnight the night before the con. Oh, God. And then it's a five-day stretch. So it's going to be... It's going to be monstrous. <laughs> you're you're going you're gonna to need a lot of theme donuts to make, yeah, make it to yeah. that week. And they're going to be like 13 bucks a piece because it's fucking Vegas. And the only cheap yeah. food is if you're gambling. <laughs> I was going to say, I would imagine that you're going to have a lot of tore up vendors at a, at a Vegas con. I yeah. Every day they're going to show up like, ugh. Yeah. I, the, the last day of the con this last year was rough for some of those gentlemen. <laughs> I, bet. I bet. Well, I don't have – for for anyone listening who hasn't figured this out or looked at the website or something. But uh, Chris and I both are illustrators. Yep. Uh, Chris is a full-time uh, wonderkind doing <laughs> the con circuit and running his own business, uh, selling wonderful things. And uh, for me, it's a it's a side project. But uh, we we each have um, the mission to be at uh, one or two cons a year together, table yeah. together. Worked out great last year. It was super fun. Yeah, Led absolutely. To this pretty much right. Um, we've known each other for uh, well over ten years, but have only. Um, been together physically a couple of times so it's been together fun physically <laughs> that's a thing that just happened a purgement, if you will. A purgement. So, we are pervverts anyway so um whereas i focus primarily on illustrated illustration material um art and my art books and stuff uh chris does not only illustrated stuff but he he builds things too he has right. lots of cool stuff um, so the, the, the range of cons that you can go to is pretty interesting. Yeah. You can hit a, a horror con and a Star Trek con and a cosplay con and have stuff for those. Yeah, it really opens me up availability-wise to do pretty much up. anything. Yeah. <laughs> the things I build open me up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, We're we are going to be landing without our, our rocket is landing wrong on the launch pad, <laughs> turning over and crashing. <laughs> I, I'm much more limited in the cons that I think that um, are are reasonable for me. Um, but I think we have some we have some stuff lined up this year. We'll yeah. talk about get closer. But um, okay, cool. So uh, I guess that's about it, huh? Yeah, yeah. I think that that pretty much sums up the first episode of Robot Kraken. Uh, we want to thank you for listening to Robot Kraken's first uh, and most spectacular episode in the history of Robot Kraken. <laughs> um, next month or whenever we get to it. Yeah, right. Uh, we'll we're, about I think we're what? planning to make this monthly, but possibly a little more frequently than that. It's just kind of whenever our schedules coalesce together. Exactly. It'll, it, <laughs> is, it is or isn't monthly. Yes. Um, what are we going to be talking about next time? I'm sure uh, Hail Caesar, right? Yes. If we can get to Hail Caesar, both of us will definitely be talking about Hail Caesar, the new Coen Brothers film. I can guarantee you I will have seen it in one yeah. time. Yeah. Yes. It's a film. I'm kidding me. And it looks it phenomenal. 
until you mentioned it. I didn't know it was February. I figured it was going to because like two weeks ago it was like coming in 2016. Right, right. It said that in 2016, right? And then yeah. all of a sudden it's, it's February. So yeah, I'm super stoked about that. Yeah, it looks so fun. I, I it's like like two and a half weeks from now it's out. So yeah, that's great. And I'm sure we'll be talking more about. The, the hot mess of uh, Superman versus whomever. Undoubtedly. More as we get up to it. Yeah. And then, uh, do you have any plans on seeing Deadpool? I didn't, but it looks interesting enough that I should probably go check it out. And Lindsay's actually vaguely interested in seeing it now, which... Vague interest. Vague interest. That's good enough for That's, me. That puts butts in seats. That's all it? it takes from a lady for me. <laughs> I get it. I see what happened. <laughs> Exploding on the launch pad. Yes. Well, uh, the fact that I despise Deadpool as a character, as a concept, and as a whole series of uh, mistakes, everything that was wrong with <laughs> comics in the 90s. Yes. Um, the fact that they made something that interests me at all is shocking to it's me. It's mind-boggling. Yeah. I'm shocked. Yeah. But that viral – I don't know how that movie could possibly um, – uh, stand up to the viral marketing that they've done. I agree. I'm shocked at how good they have done with making it a character that even if you despise him, you have to admire their marketing plan. <laughs> they put the when they put the billboard up that was all uh, emojis. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I thought well, they're never going to in the history of viral marketing. There's never going to be anything. I don't know if that's viral, but you know, marketing, yeah, weird, right. weird ass marketing. There's never going to be anything that. Um, integrates the poo emoji on a billboard well then what do they do like three days later they have him laying on the emojis spelled out right okay <laughs> i'm done you know <laughs> so i think i probably i'm gonna just see that as a as a as a blu-ray but um yeah i only get a few movies a year now i'm an old man with young kids but right but uh yeah i'm definitely gonna i think at this point i'll at least watch it yeah we'll have and to check also, it out if nothing if nothing else, they made a Colossus that makes sense, too. Yeah, Colossus looks really solid in it, actually. I'm pretty excited about him in it, in particular. I, You know what? Maybe we'll we'll track a copy down when we do Ape in October or something, depending on where it's at at that time. I think you're right. Yeah. Okay, well, um, so in the meantime... How will they be able to reach us? How can people find us, Chris? Well, right now, it's a little more limited than what it will be, I think. Um, we're planning on setting up a full website, uh, robot-kraken.com. And that's where you can find all of our reviews. You can find our news feed. You can find the podcast and everything else. Uh, it's in merch as well. Lots yes, yes. All sorts of fun things. We'll have buttons and hopefully shirts and prints and everything we can come up with. In the American tradition, we'll have merch before we have content, right? Yes, absolutely. So it'll be, be like buttons and, and, and magnets and stuff with like nothing on it. Yeah. Like you draw it at the Coming con, right? soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Podcast here. Yeah, just that, that little <laughs> illustration of the under construction sign. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds great. Five bucks. <laughs> but uh, if someone wants to see all of your sweet, sweet art or buy some of your, your awesome products, where would they go, Chris? Uh, right now, the easiest way to find me is to go to deeplydapper.squarespace.com. And you can link from there to my blog, to the store. Uh, you can listen to Deeply Dapper Dispatches on there. We will be streaming Robot Kraken on that website as well. Uh, it's it all it has my con calendar up on it so that's the easiest way to get a hold of me you can also send me an email at deeplydapper at gmail.com that's my username on pretty much any social media that you need to get a hold of me on awesome all right and well what of me, you sir 
<clears throat> well, so uh, it's been four years now that my site has been down for uh, <laughs> being redesigned. I just had kids and life got in the way, which is astonishing given how much work I used to put into right. hand coding these things. But um, you can reach me at thirdraildesignlab.com, spelled like it sounds. Yes. Um, and, of course, uh, when you're going to see that in the blurb for the podcast, too. So yes. Don't worry about having to phonetically write out these, uh, <laughs> these web links, these URLs. But, yes. uh, yeah, you can reach me at thirdraildesignlab.com. Um, there's a forum attached to that. Um, I have a DeviantArt page as well as a group uh, dedicated to a weekly art jam that we participate in, which yeah. is super fun. It's bled into Facebook as well. Um, so we're around. And then also you can email me, uh, Tom, with an H, T-H-O-M, at thirdraildesignlab.com. Yes. And I should also mention, if you want to uh, reach either of us or both of us about podcast related yeah. stuff things you want us to talk about things you want us not to talk about <laughs> uh, rants you want to do um pretty much anything goes yeah. um heavy endorsements that you want us to do oh yeah um, of course if you want to throw money us. at us <laughs> doubloons i've heard of that doubloons yes we only work for doubloons my yes. son works for doubloons hey all I'm, right you're training him right then jake and the neverland pirates <laughs> he, got, he got some doubloons for christmas and he just started shrieking i got my doubloons nice um, so you can reach us at uh, the email address salty at robot dash uh, salty at robot dash kraken dot com salty salty why did we pick that name oh I know why because we're salty salty uh, just, just burning burning rocket fuel now yes okay well once again we find ourselves on the edge of the world peering over the rim into a fathomless chaos of eternal night. Until next time, fellow travelers across the endless sea of awesome, we bid you farewell. Farewell. That wasn't at all scripted or anything. It was just no. That sounded way off the cuff. Yeah, like like that was amazing how casual that seemed. <laughs> it's it's going to be that easy every week. I can guarantee it. <laughs> all right. Until next time. Yes.